0: This podcast is offered through the Sacred Community Project, an interspiritual collective working to lower the barriers of access to contemplative and devotional practices. Through the universal teachings of love, service, remembrance, and truth, SCP utilizes modern technology to promote eternal values. Learn more at sacredcommunityproject.org. Hi, this is Sitaram Das here. And today, I have a really sweet conversation with Steven Dahlman, where we talk about love from a variety of perspectives: interpersonal love, divine love, unconditional love. love as a transformative force, and also what it means to surrender to love, to allow love to move through us and how to get out of the way. And there's really no one better that I can think of to talk about that with. Because Steven's is the real deal. He is a true embodiment of this love that, that we're speaking of. I mean, he lives it. Anyone who spent time with him knows this. He walks the walk and his faith is grounded in direct experience. Besides being a true loving rock, as Ram Dass would call it, He's also a licensed psychotherapist who actively trains therapists on what unconditional love really looks like in an interpersonal context, right? What does showing up in love mean with other people? He's also allowed love to move through him in ways that have created some pretty large splashes in our world. In 2008, love came to him in the form of an idea start the Liberation Institute, which is a nonprofit in San Francisco that now offers mental health services to anyone across the entire state of California now, uh, and Oregon, literally thousands of people, regardless of income. And again, Love moved through him to create the Hanuman Murti that was the very first seed of the temple at Hanuman Maui. Right before anyone knew what Hanuman Maui was, before he knew where the Hanuman Murti was going to go, he just knew that there was supposed to be a Hanuman on Maui, a Hanuman that could bring uh, the bhakti and the aloha together. Uh, Stiefer doesn't go into either of those stories too much. He's kind of reticent to talk about himself, but he has told both of those stories in two separate extremely moving videos, and he references them both in the podcast. So I've linked them in the bio. So if you are unfamiliar with him and his work, I recommend checking him out because he doesn't go into much of his personal history here. This is a conversation about love,
1: a survey of love, if you will. And it starts with a simple question,
0: so, Stever, what is the role of unconditional love in your life and how has it shaped your healing journey?
2: Oh, that's a good question. The role of unconditional love. So, it's so easy to get into the semantics of it, right? So, so what is unconditional love and all that? But to me, that question means what is the role of, of love? What is the role of divine love in your life? So, that I try every day to make that the center of my life. It just seems like it's something that's not only saved my life, but but when it when it can come through me, when it can use me, that's that's it's so rich, and that's like ultimately the reason I'm here, right? It's just such an amazing way to live. So so it takes like centering on that, being ready for that, whatever practices we do to to be an instrument. But that's the role. So, so there's that essence. But from the picture of, of, of divine love, of love in your life, the, the one love, how, whatever your experience and definition of all that is, there's also the, the, the paradox of how that comes back and takes care of me. right? So So the role of it in, in is also of, of, of healing, of synchronistically helping me maintain this instrument to be of more use again to others and in the world. So all the good stuff happens, you know. Like, it's just
1: amazing. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm hearing that reciprocal relationship part of it is
0: maybe one of the signs that we know that love is present. Um, what else can you say about that? Like, how do you know, when love is present, when it's flowing through, like what, what are those clues to you when, when that's there?
2: Uh, well, I guess the subtle clues are are just those synchronicities, right? You know, all all of a sudden it feels like things are aligning. You just turn one way and all the doors start opening. Right. So, so in a lot of the, 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 the big things that have happened in my life, like with, uh, my recovery years ago from alcohol and drug addiction with, with starting the Liberation Institute, with coming to Maui and, and, and uh, starting the temple here and and all that. All those things, they just like opened up. But sometimes that, that same thing works in very small ways. I think I'm going to hike this way instead of that way. And all of a mm-hmm. sudden, the birds are chirping, right? And then, then you come across with something that you were like kind of meant to see that's just so helpful and healing or transforming. So, Happens in little ways and big ways. But yeah.
1: What about in those moments where like it doesn't feel easy, like life
0: feels hard. There's chaos, there's unknown, it's uncomfortable. And it doesn't feel like there's these clear signs in those moments. How do you return to the heart in those moments? And what does it look like in the middle of that kind of unknown
2: ah good question so the there's some things in there and that's that's like faith trust gratitude um it's it's always like walking walking off the ledge and just walking on air right mm. so something's go hold me am i going to do this or not and something has me take that step uh-huh. right? so something in there and the more experience I've had with that, with having it work, that connection is in there somewhere. But when it's totally chaotic or, or my buttons are pushed from like like childhood conditioning, all that stuff, it can get really distant. I can almost yeah. forget. So, that, again, the stuff we keep hearing over and over, having a regular practice, having, having images up in my house, having, having a mala on my wrist something's going to going to remind me something's going to be there i have the intention every day i'm used to asking for and if that if the chaos breaks loose it comes back but then there's another aspect to that
1: that's connected with faith and
2: it's kind of, it's kind of like 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 effort and self-discipline kind of have have a have some somewhat of a negative connotation in our culture now like sure. if everything's flowing, if everything's good, if you're if you're if you're one with love, it should never get tough. But there, but there's actually a, a like when you read the, the ancient Vedas and the history of all of this, that the yogis that that experimented and came up with this stuff. The one of the words for that is strivers. Right? There's mm-hmm. there's a, a certain striver. There's a certain effort, and it it should be it should be balanced. It should be should be connected. But sometimes I just have to say, you know what? Fuck it! I'm just going to keep going the way I'm going. I'm yeah. going to do it, and maybe I and maybe I tell myself, you know what? You don't have to do it forever. You don't have to do it tomorrow. But let's do it. Let's do it for this hour, right? And it always changes. It always opens up. And God is always going to be there for me. I just forget. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's it's deeper than even. Do
0: do I rest or do I push forward? Right. It, it's really like the wisdom is knowing when to push forward and and when to let it be. And yeah,
1: yeah. I, I guess this is
0: a big question that just came up in this moment. For me, when I reflect on my own path of hypothetically at least growing in wisdom, uh, it's essentially more or less been through trial and error. Right. I'm I'm listening into my heart, and then. I think I'm listening to my intuition, but then afterwards I can see, like, oh, I was caught here and here and here. But through that process, uh, I feel and hope that things have gotten a little bit clearer. It's easier for me to access that, that wisdom, right? That love within. Is there another way, like, besides just trial and error, like just trying our best? Is, is there some other way to ascertain and get in touch with wisdom with this often? murky compass of the heart
2: i don't know you know there might be like like there's people that'll tell you that 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 the the way to do that is to find a particularly structured path with a lot of history and you just stick to that no matter what Uh right go down that one hole but in my experience it's uh it's phenomenological so i think of it less as trial and error more as, as just being being open and exploring and you know like phenomenology then is is the the is just being open to to whatever's really there so you kind of say oh oh here's that rock I'm going to look under that rock and maybe that leads you somewhere or maybe it doesn't that's this constant openness and the more I'm aware the more I see all these possibilities so so in my little mind it might feel like trial and error but Every once in a while, maybe you maybe you've had this experience. Every once in a while, I can see that. No, the universe is throwing me tons and tons of this great stuff constantly, and I just every once in a while kind of open my eyes and grab something, right? Yeah. So it's so vast and rich, but yeah. But from our our little human experiences, it's kind of it feels like trudging sometimes. Right. Just strengthening that awareness, strengthening the compass, keeping the heart open, doing what, you know, uh, zeroing into your intuition. But you have to learn by, by your own experiences because we're all unique instruments, right? So. Yeah. For
0: you, have you found at times on your path, I guess because what I heard in that sharing is that you are very comfortable and have practice with uh, being open and really on this path of Guru Kripa, this path of grace, right? It's really like just life is the guru in a sense, right? Uh, and just really that that listening. Um, but have you had times on your path where you found having some more formulaic, rigid set of, you know, I do this, this, and this, have you found that helpful at times?
1: Hmm.
2: Yeah, also also t- t- depends upon like on what level and in what ways, like like just having actual structured day, that sort of thing. But do this, don't do that. And yes, very much so. But for me personally, uh, how that's ended up is structuring my own sadhana, trying things. Uh-huh. Okay, well, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do this practice or do this for this many days and really pay attention, right? Like the ancient yogis did. Maybe maybe the answer for me and what I would offer is 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 trying something and sticking to it for a while is what works and being willing to tweak that because I'll also like hold on so tight to something that worked before and it'll, maybe it's time to let that go and move on to the next thing. But that's good. I think I think structure is important.
1: But right, structure is important, but. For us to actually stay in it um,
0: it actually has to fit yeah And exactly. the only way to find if it fits is
2: to try it out and there, there is an interesting thing that, that it's I'm sure it's full of paradox and everything but there, there's a there's a, a surfing aspect to all this for me. I think some people that are going going to do better with with a lot of strictness. And some people are going to do better with a lot of openness, but, but for me, there's a, there's an in-between thing. I do the structure, but if I'm just following that blindly, there's something in my own creative and intuitive sense that doesn't flow through. Right. Uh So, uh, I just get excited about being inspired and creating new things and new, and new paradigms for helping people and all this kind of stuff. Right. So, so got to kind of play with that a little yeah that goes right into i don't know if we how far we want to go there but into the ego non-ego stuff right the the ego strength well tell me about
0: that because at some point i do want to shift into talking about all this in terms of your psychological background um and so maybe maybe let's start with that what can you share about strengthening ego versus being non attached to the ego versus what is a healthy ego? Can that get now in the I way?
2: Whoops. Oops. I don't know what I would think I was saying. Okay. <laughs> interesting stuff, right? So, so we don't want to be egotistical. We don't want our desires to get in the way and our attachments to get in the way. And we hear from different traditions, how that gets in the way. And, and we can see that happening in our own lives, but, Again, we need, we need to have some sense of who we are. We need to have some, some ego strength in order to have the determination to move forward, especially in, in the tough times. So I think like many people, Ramdas would talk about this, right? It's like you have to know who you are before you can let go of who you are. And he mm-hmm. cautioned against people trying to let go, let go of the self when they don't really have that strong of a functional self yet, right? So, so there, yeah. there's an element to that. Do you see?
1: Does that self, that ego self, does that or can that come from God also?
2: Well, philosophically, it's all God, of course, right? Yeah, I think in setting up the the dual perspective that we Bhaktis use as a tool. Yeah. For the one, I think that there's a, a sense of separateness, right? Mm-hmm. But, but. I think it comes from God. I think the urging comes from God. But that, but that's like like all the stuff in the Gita and everything. That that that's like the Gita is just like a bag of tricks, man. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like you know what? So here's what you do. Don't think about too much. Just do everything for God, right? Yeah. And then then that transforms the ego into into something that's so connected with God and the observer. that the soul is watching that. The soul, the individual soul is 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 monitoring that and the ego is just like the, this this shell this puppet that's making it all happen and that's when you can get in that flow then that's mm. that's so good right I mean, so much happens and i'm just like then i suddenly pop back into my ego i think whoa who did that shit right you know it's great yeah
0: something a, a word a sentence that came to me just in the last couple of years thinking about you know for me using my verbal mind has been very much a spiritual practice for me through writing through speaking and you know we often hear that phrase right that the mind can be the servant of the heart um, but but something that came to me in the last couple of years is i realized that it's it's actually possible for the mind to truly be an extension of the heart right where when it knows when it knows That it is the servant of the heart, then it's working to manifest uh, to the best of its capabilities, right? The heart's deepest wisdom. And then that ego strengthening part, right? Because sometimes it needs to increase its capacity to be able to do that. So it needs to gain some different frameworks, learn some new words, whatever. But all of that can be connected in this really beautiful synergistic way. And that, that just came to me hear, hearing you share that.
2: Yeah, there there's a thing with, with the with the mind where it's it's just like like a jazz musician, right? And and they're and they're and they're playing. And when you're first learning to play instrument, then it's like like your the fingers are kind of like the fingers and they're not kind of working and the <laughs> muscle memory, all this stuff has to go through. But but once it really gets in the flow, right? Your mind and the body. And the music just flows through you, right? You get it. You get in that that zone that the the musicians talk about. That's just like,
1: right? It's all instruments of something bigger, right? Nothing has to be disconnected, right? So right, and that's
0: that connects to what we were talking about before because then if if we're an out of practice musician, right? If our right. mind is quite. Clunky and how it's navigating all this, um, it, it just means that we just have to keep practicing.
2: Yeah, like it or not, no, but, but <laughs> it could be fun. Yeah, but the yeah, but the the heart, the heart connected to all of it. It's just- yeah.
0: So this is one of the big questions I want to ask you about, and really just peel whatever wisdom I can from you is. This central framework that I know you have, this core truth of love, that, as you say, love saved your life, and I know that when you work with people one-on-one, and when you train other therapists to work with people, uh, love is front and center for you. So, how does that work for you in in a healing relationship? You're there with your mind and someone else is there with their mind, and we all want to become jazz musicians or right? Whatever. Um, what does that look like for you? How does love play a relational healing force? Uh,
2: well, one thing, it comes back to practice, right? Being just to use psychotherapy as the example, right? Before I'm meeting with someone and doing that work, which I consider a sacred space, you know, I'm doing all the things that that keep me aligned as an instrument best as I can. But uh, I don't know if you remember from saying Carl Rogers, right? He he was a lot about trying to get unconditional love into the therapeutic. So he called it unconditional positive regard, right? So just yeah. just just having unconditional positive regard. So when I'm working with interns, I'm some of them call me Carl Rogers on steroids. <laughs> I love my clients. I love them as best as I can, right? And that has that has a lot to do with loving myself and loving everyone. The, all, the whole thing, love everyone. Right. Is, is just so useful. But how it looks then in the in the in the therapy room is 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 the classic stuff, being in the moment and 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 that bob, that energy that happens, just like like when you and I are talking, something just kind of happens, right? Yeah. And it opens up. And then I just kind of get out of the way, and I'm just there. And that person's that person's soul, that person's heart, and and my soul. And it, when it goes great, or even when it doesn't go great, I think I think it, it's the two souls meeting. Yeah, and and there and and the, the, this some sense of, of of higher purpose starts coming through, right? And then there's acceptance of where, where each of our us are at in the moment. I'm mm-hmm. not up to the, the person I'm working with to have that, but that's, that's what I try and have. And it's like, I show up um, as best I can for that. So that in, in, I think, you know, my motto love as much as you can from where you are with what you've got. So that's yeah. a really active model, right? So, so this kind of ties into what we were saying before. So when, when, when things aren't working, when, when, when it's, when, when there's chaos or when, when I just got a bad phone call, but then now here's comes this person into my office. I'm going to be present with and love them. That's, that's my model. That's my practice. So I'm just going to, you know, screw the rest. I'm going to love as much as I can right now from exactly where I am in this moment with whatever I got. And that yeah. always is like, so, Right. Yeah. You just get all the other shit out of the way. No judgment about like I should be loving more or this or blah 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 blah. Just what do I got now? And here it is. Yeah. Right? And
1: and so here's my follow-up question with that, because that's all really beautiful. And I think most people, if not everyone,
0: intuitively knows what love is on some level. And yet. There's times when it doesn't feel easy to love. And I imagine you've had moments working with people where uh, the, you got triggered or for whatever reason, the love wasn't at the forefront. It felt like more of a struggle. Oh, yeah. And so when, when it feels like more of a struggle for at least myself, then I'm thinking about love as a practice, right? How do I practice love, right? Just do the best I can. And of course, love myself along the way. Um, but what does that look like for you and, and how do you actually do it? Like, if, if someone wants to, as Ram Dass says, be a loving rock, right? To, to really make that a practice. Because we know about the practices, like how to do our mala beads and we know how to do practices like sit and meditate. But if we want to actually make love itself, the practice, how do we actually practice that? How do you practice that?
2: Again, it's it's kind of showing up with whatever I got at the moment, and like you're describing, there's times when it's just like I can only do so much. But honestly, there in in the in the therapy room, there's a kind of fake it till you make it thing that I uh-huh. do if I need to. Right? If, yeah. if I really feel triggered
1: there in that situation, I, I can. I can uh do the
2: next kind loving thing. Sometimes it's keep your mouth shut. And out in the rest of the world, it's kind of just keep my mouth shut, right? Because sometimes I just have to retreat. There's there's people, there's people that are bullies that are intense or chaotic, violent situations, right? It's not just going to be like, oh, I love you. This is great. You know, you got <laughs> that's not gonna work. But again, love as much as I can from where I am with what I've got. And there's yeah. times when the the traumatized little kid in me isn't going to be able to do anything but but retreat, mm-hmm. and the loving thing to do is is to is to protect the instrument at that point. Mm. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes you just got to, but but you can do that skillfully without without assaulting everyone. So there's something in like in my mouth, love as much as you can from where you are with what you've got. That that implies to some people. That, that you don't count, you gotta get your stuff out of the way and and you just gotta be there for everybody no matter what. So, you know, if you if you take put self love in that yeah. and you're you're an instrument of, of of something that has love and compassion for everyone, then then it flows differently than, than than the tricky parts you gotta watch for, the 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 codependence of martyr syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. I hear it, and then I'm just kind of picking up on sort of the where you've been following this. So there's a the wisdom of imperfection, mm. I guess I would add, right? You know, so so when it doesn't seem right, like I'm not, this isn't going right, I, it's, it's I'm not loving enough or that or the, there's, there's blocks and flows in the, in this therapeutic situation or this thing. You just be present with that energy right and trust that maybe I don't know what's best at that moment but just love as much as I can yeah and how many times you've been doing that, that kind of work for a while how many times have you seen that, that what what seemed like a block or a problem ended up being the rich the rich soil from which Transformation.
1: Sure. Well,
0: actually, even in the moment before you just said that, there was this long pause, and uh, I didn't know exactly what to say, and so I just waited, and then you said more, and it it was really beautiful, and it, it deepened the space, right? So even just that
1: moment uh, is an example of that. Yeah. What about, this is another one of those tensions that
0: I don't think there's an easy answer for, but I found in myself, making friends with the tension has brought about more wisdom. And I'd love to hear your perspective on this, but the tension between seeing another being as already free, seeing them as perfect, seeing them as the guru, seeing them as God, uh, while also being able to be helpful in some way, right? Because people, if, if people are coming to me or coming to you, um, it's not just because they want to hang out, right? There's often reasons for it.
1: Yeah.
0: How does that play out for you? Just that dynamic of, of seeing someone truly as perfect and loving them just as they are while also being there to, to help them work on whatever that is that they want to work on.
2: Yeah, that that that's one of those like rich paradoxes, right? So so how do you do that? That's a great question. So I think that's the the what what what's your worldview on that? What is the what is the the perfect? And then then so so that tends to set up like like you're perfect, you know, you're really great, but dot dot dot. <laughs> if you kind of rotate rotate your lens around from that, but here you here you know what you're perfect, like like like. I'm writing this piece about caring for your wings right and 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 I've just started writing it, but but the the concept is so so uh, I'm going to write a little bit about taking care of your wings. This might sound crazy, but some people don't even think they have wings, but we're not going to talk about them. You obviously know you have wings. that's why you're reading this. So here's how you take care of your wings, right? if your your lens rotates to where, you know what? You are so perfect and you are so wonderful. Where do you want to go with that? Oh, so you're spreading your wings and you feel a little weight in your socks. Can I help you take those rocks up? Right? So you see the difference? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with you, but you know what? You're wonderful and perfect, but maybe you're setting the bar a little low. What do you think? What What is your inspiration? Where do you, Where do you want to go? You can go anywhere. Can I help you do
1: that? Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm hearing in that that. If, if someone really is perfect,
0: then their desire to come and to let go of some of that weight is, is coming out of that perfection of of who they are. And in that sense, it's it's almost like being a midwife or something, right? Yeah. Um, but that also calls forth another tension that I've noticed. Uh, Because for the last almost two years now, I've been predominantly doing, besides the work that I do through Sacred Community Project, outside of that, I've been predominantly doing grief work with people. And when people come, the number one thing that they first say they want uh, is coping, right? And what I've learned and from everything I've read is... um, To actually be a little bit hesitant to focus on that right away, right? Because the the desire and grief is just this is a mistake. This is awful. I want to get rid of that, Mm -hmm. right? And instead, to kind of thwart that little impulse a little bit to create a space so that uh, the grief can be shared and expressed and felt uh, in a deeper way. And so, in in a way, that's that's almost like thwarting someone's expectations a little bit, and. Uh, it makes me think about like uh, James Hillman, uh, who's okay. someone who I've read and felt inspired by. He says one of the things that he does is he's always trying to thwart people's expectations of that endless self improvement project, mm-hmm. right? And instead, to he sees his work as the real soul work of allowing the soul come through, and so. In a sense, it's it's kind of like a t- attention because it's it is about trusting that there's something deeper in someone, um, but it's almost like sometimes you have to thwart people's initial expectations, right? About that they can be saved or that that they can fix this and this and thing, and that that'll make them happy. Or um, so, yeah. What what comes up for you with that, and how do you how do you relate to any of that?
2: Oh, I'm thinking. I'm of, thinking of particularly about the 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 fixed thing, right? And people people are in pain and they want the pain to go away. And and working as a therapist, now I, I don't know what's what's particularly helpful for all the people that 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 are going to be listening to this, right? They aren't all therapists, right? But the but the but there's this thing about about fixing ourselves and fixing everyone because we want out of the pain. But um
1: Now I'm with
2: you with you on the on on the helping them tolerate the moment and helping them experience the pain and why why is it what is the pain here to learn to learn from? That's particularly true of of, of a grief process because it's because it's a it's a process, it's an adjustment, right? So um, it's tricky, but I don't with with some of the Hillman stuff and some people wanting to be to wanting just to 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 let the soul express itself. Now that I I do have a bias to to progress and transformation,
1: mm.
2: I really do. I really do think that people can write their own story with some of this stuff, and they're, yeah. they're and it's tricky. It, again, it's that paradox. So so you read if you read part of Hillman or part of the, go partially into that and say yeah I I, I God, let people be where they are. That's totally true. You gotta let people be where they are. But when love comes in full force, it changes things. Yeah, it's Like it or not. And 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 personally doing my work on myself and working with others, it's so easy to get into a thing where we're just allowing the pain so much that we end up reinforcing it rather than letting it pass through. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so this this, oh, yeah. this this love that that
0: is at the root of everything uh is transformative. It's it's a transformative force.
2: Amen. <laughs> that, that's like...
0: Well, I think this would be a good moment. What I'd like to do is
1: ground some of this in the the personal because yeah. you are someone who
0: Love has come through you in these transformative ways, uh, in pretty big ways that have left some pretty big wakes, uh, not just in your own life, but in the community. Um, And maybe we could start with one question I was curious to hear about is, as you know, and a lot of people are slowly finding out about, but it'll Be announced pretty soon. Sacred Community Project has this uh, collective book coming out, right? Called "Loving Awareness: Waking the Heart Mind Through the Path of Grace." And there's this section on stories of healing and transformation, and and you have one of the stories in it. And you said the same thing that you said here today that that loved saved your life. And I guess I'd love to hear a little bit more from you, like how, like how did love save your life, how did you gain this deep faith in the transformative power of it?
2: Mm. I don't know how to go about that without making it too much about me or the story of my life, but the the, the, the basics of it is that, that uh, I got strung out on alcohol and cocaine. And there's all sorts of complexities behind that and childhood trauma and, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, maybe I hadn't experienced unconditional love before. So then, as I say, there is this series of miracles, right? I just gave up. I would just, just it was literally killing
1: me, this stuff. And. But I'd
2: always had, since I was a little kid, some sort of connection to the divine. And so I asked that divine for help. And it came mm. through in a burning bush way. With, 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 I'm, I'm in this park, and this, this tree lights up, and there's this, this beautiful face, this Maharaji-like face. saying, you're loved. It's going mm. to be a okay. There were a couple things like that that happened very close together to where I could feel love coming in. I was in this church in Glide, a church called Glide in the nasty part of San Francisco, and this gospel choir is singing, right? And and I could just feel like love pouring in through the top of my head, just like I did when, when Maharaji's face, who I didn't know who that was, appeared. In, in in the park, right? I could just feel it coming in. It wasn't looking for it. I didn't know what it was, but it was like, whoa. Right. So so love changed my life. In that case, it saved my life. But yeah. then then what do you do? That's not just like one thing, like, oh, you know, I have all I've have all these problems and I'm killing myself with drugs and alcohol. And and now, oh now, now there's love and now it's all good, right? So that there's constant struggle, constant learning, constant peeling away of the layers. So over and over again, love saves my life. But what is my life? What is your life? What it, what is that story? What it, what it, what it, what is what is getting created here? What does your soul or what does that love want to create? Right. Mm-hmm. So it saved my life, but it but it created my life, right? And and then it was just like. Oh, holy shit, It looks like I'm going to be around for a while. Now, what do I do? And all I wanted to do was 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 uh, be connected to that and use it and have other people possibly have their experience of that. That's all I want, right? So how do you do that? You know, you just one step at a time, you kind of figure it out back to that phenomenology, phenomenology. I'm gonna be open to the moment. Looks like this person needs help. Looks like I'm gonna do this. And then I ended up like like going for the second career years later in my life, right? I'm like, decide, I'm gonna be a counselor and then study psychology and do all this stuff and and then start a start a place that can serve the people whether they have money or not and 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 oh maybe i'll I'll do this other thing. maybe i'll I'll hang out and chat with these people. maybe I'll. Maybe I'll, I'll have free yoga for people. Whatever it is, right? Or just showing up in the moment to some lady having a breakdown in the middle of the market. You know, or however it works out. But I don't know if that answers the question. Yeah,
1: no, it's a beautiful answer. Something I heard Ram Dass say once. Someone asked Ram
0: Dass, how do I get faith? Which is a pretty powerful
1: question. And Ram Dass had that long silence and he said, You ask for it. And
0: there seems to be something really powerful about the act of asking. And I, I heard, you know, what what started that whole string of events was you had a moment where you asked, right? You you
1: made a sincere plea for love to to show up in your life yeah yeah that that's it's it's the the asking the openness yeah and with the liberation institute which that was one of the first things that yeah, first inspired me about you. Really, was the fact
0: that you essentially started this nonprofit seemingly out of thin air, uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, created a model that can serve a lot of people, you know, on on really all levels. And it seems like now it's spreading. Uh, there's liberation Institute isn't just located in the Bay Area anymore. Um, maybe you could just talk a little bit about the Liberation Institute and what it is and what inspired it and and where it's heading?
2: Oh, cool. Well, Liberation Institute, um, I was inspired to start it, well, by love, of course, I'm sitting under a tree and start the Liberation Institute. I'm like, what's that? Anyway, there's a lot about the, the story, of the, the origin story of the place. But basically, I started as a place where people could get, get professional Psychotherapy, mental health services—whether they had insurance or not and that I wanted to see if the community could do it for itself. That if you take take the government out of it and the insurance companies out of it and all that stuff, there was so much goop between people getting getting help. It seemed like there were some services for people who were at the very bottom. They could maybe get into services through some stuff being offered there, even though that varied. Or if you had money and great insurance, but for everybody in between, forget it. Yeah. So I thought, well, if we could do that and everybody just pay what they can, maybe it'll work out. And the miracle is that it did work out. The first people I brought in were a couple of homeless people. And one of those people is still clean and sober today. The very first day we opened, October 7th, 2008. Wow. So, So that was pretty auspicious. And then it, it's just grown bit by bit that the model's working, right? And so now we serve all of California, all of Oregon, hundreds and hundreds of people a week, a day, actually, hundreds of people a day. And uh, rather than expand into other states, I was just in uh, Austin, Texas, helping to open a, a, a community center there that had a couple of different agencies, and I just advised them and told them about our model and because of problems with Texas with with funding and laws and, that, and uh, our model ends up being perfect they can serve all these people and it really works
1: right so wow yeah it, no it, it, that's incredible it it, it it's really an incredible
0: thing that that you've built there and another piece of it too is that it doesn't seem like it's just serving the community in terms of being able to receive therapy, but also, I mean, how many would you say students have you trained, like people working on their licensure people in school oh, needing, we've we've yeah. had
2: had hundreds of, of interns yeah going through we have at, at any given time now we have I think the current count is about eighty five interns training and serving the community yeah. And then those people go out and some of them stay, some of them end up being supervisors for us years later for all sorts of things. Right. And, and, and we train people and bring people in and encourage people to, to do things from a, from a, I don't want to say spiritual perspective, but it's called transpersonal, right? Have some, uh-huh. some some perspective on these higher energies that can be helpful rather than pathologizing people. That's the whole, whole underpinning of liberation institute is that 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 the the medical model of there's something wrong with you and maybe we can get you to be like everybody else right that 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 mo- that model doesn't work well and it comes back to what we were talking before about you know what what if you're what if everything what if you're perfect like you are but but want to do some other stuff perhaps. Or your wings are a little crumpled you know that's how crumple your wings a little bit right <laughs> so so that's it's about about liberation about optimization it's about it's about you know what can we do
0: i mean that that really i guess the other thing that comes to me hearing that is not only is love transformative but it's also decentralized in that uh, by you training I mean, it's a pretty rare gift for young therapists to be able to get this kind of model, essentially the Stever, the Stever Dahlman <laughs> model, right? the The Carl Rogers on steroids model, uh, because you know the reality is is organizations like that still, you know, they don't exist everywhere, and so. I mean if you think about that right the impact then of liberation is is much more than even the people liberation institute is serving it's all the people that have been trained and gone on for to be at other organizations or their private practices right it's it's like the seed of love that is is really sprouting
2: and I mean that that's the thing start doing work like this the rippling effect is just starts getting mind blowing right so i can work with one person and then that's a huge rippling effect but then um, you train other people to do it and it just, it just multiplies out insanely. Right. Yeah. But now when you think about this though, to play out with a lot of this other stuff we've been talking about. So then a therapist, someone called to be the therapist, right. That's just like, this very Ram Dass. That, that's just the, their role they're going to play in this. Right. And so I try and, and we try and encourage people to have that perspective. But mm. somebody comes in and they have a, have, they're really into a certain type of CBT, or they're really into into working with this population, or they really have this theoretical perspective, right? So So that's the thing about Liberation Institute. It has this overarching thing that I've been talking about, but everybody comes with their stuff and their interests, and they can use that under this umbrella. Uh-huh. Not like we only do this. Right. Yeah. And that's the
1: other piece of I guess another theme
0: from this conversation is that love also trusts other people's inner guidance.
2: Yeah. Love yeah. does. It's hard for us to do it sometimes, right? So that <laughs> that's the faith thing. When you go to backtrack a little bit with when you were asking about the faith. There's a and, and we came upon like, like you asked for it. In my experience, what I get for when I ask for it is is an experience that I can't deny. Mm-hmm. I might not even be able to describe that experience or that feeling, but I can't deny it. So this comes to if you remember, but like Carl Jung was asked at one point, right, right. The, so do you have do you have faith? Do you believe in God? And he was like, I don't believe. I know. Right, i so so there there's a point when you ask you ask for faith and and you're going to get get some experiences that are going to blow your mind as opposed to you're going to get some gift of a blind belief based on some dogma or something right it doesn't it's more like this experience right that just like like you're going to get experiences that you can
1: trust yeah yeah i've I've likened the difference, that hardened belief, right? It, it it requires
0: a lot of clinging, right? We really, I, I really yeah. believe this. And if I don't believe this anymore, my life's going to fall apart, right? I mean, that's, I won't know who I am. I'll lose my community, right? But but what I'm hearing in that is that the faith you're talking about is, is a type of inner knowing that doesn't require Any clinging and it doesn't even require that it's said a certain way in the mind.
2: Yeah. It's it's just there and you've experienced it, right? Just
1: that actually leads me to another question um, before we wrap up. How have
0: your beliefs around this love changed over time? Since you first had that opening, is there any views you had at the time that Maybe have shifted over time. That now you say things a little bit different when you explain it or, or understand it, or your view has widened or, or changed
1: slightly.
2: I think think of any of it is just just to to I kept experiencing other people having other paths, uh-huh. right? And it also took me a while to to realize that uh, that not everyone wants what I want. Not everyone can or should at this point, and everybody's where they're at, right? And yeah. then that's all good. So so sometimes somebody would would walk into my therapy office, right? And I can just see all this potential and I want that. I want them to da-da-da-da-da. And they just want to like like get over the partner that dumped them. And that's really all they want right now. Yeah. Now again. These are all just just perspectives through my my little tiny human lens in the moment, and and there's love in the room. Through that process of getting over their breakup, they start start to love themselves, and that love comes in between you and me. Some sort of transformation is going to happen anyway, but it it can't be my agenda. It's you know right. I, So that at this stage of my life, it's like. Other people can work with the people getting over their breakups. I have other things I do.
1: Yeah. That that seems to fill out what
0: you were saying earlier in terms of, right. you have a, a bias towards transformation, uh, but also it, it has to be a transformation without an agenda.
1: Right, right. Yeah, the, the, one thing
2: I've learned, it was like, if you just go back to my story, right, if I, like, if I can just like kind of get it together and, and, you know, not drink myself to death, that's going to be so great, right? And that that's just a small example of what I still see for myself and other people. My natural self is going to set the bar a lot lower than God is going to. Mm. Uh-huh. And
1: that's like that, 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 getting that, out of the that, way. That,
2: yeah, that's a lesson I've I've learned more and more that the whole. So that's being open and believing, but not believing I can X Y Z. Just just letting go. My my, my agenda. Even today, I'm sure from experience, is is I'm just going to box myself in if I let by that my little mind come up with
1: what's going to happen, right? Yeah, I hear it. Uh, before we wrap up, I also just wanted to
0: create a little bit of space for you to talk about Hanuman Maui since Uh. you are, you are the one who the idea for the Hanuman Murti it came through your, your being and you're on the board and. What do you feel inspired to share about Hanuman Maui for people who might not be familiar or for people who maybe are familiar, but maybe maybe don't
2: know what, what you're about to say? I don't know what I'm about to say. <laughs> it, it's what an interesting expression of love, right? So I, could, I it's all sorts of interesting things about how I ended up on Maui, how I got pulled into all this, how... I, uh, my time with Ram Das, There's all sorts of interesting things, but when you come upon a place which we which we have in Maui, and there's so much energy there, it's it's a portal. So so love is accessible everywhere. But what if there's just this this you come upon a place you're you're walking along you come upon a place where it's just like wow I can really feel it here right. That's the aloha and the bhakti that 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 so many people can feel flowing through Maui, and that that brought Ramdas here, and and as uh, people like Leohu Ryder and and her her lineage of Hawaiian spirituality know that this is this is all meant to be bhakti and aloha blending together, right? Mm. That's why I felt like I was called here for some something to do with that. And then when uh, Ram Das left his body, it's like, what are we gonna do with this? Here's this, this this focus portal, right? This energy is still here. And that's what Hanuman Maui is. It's the the blending of bhakti and aloha through this portal of where Ram Das lived his last 15 years. There's a an energy and a potentiality. In that portal, that's ineffable. It's hard to describe. But yeah. any of us that have been there or had that in our own lives, other places, uh, have a sense of what that is or what what, what the value is. So Hanuman Maui is, is just trying to preserve that. But being connected to that and preserving that also starts to transform things. So, so we're not just... just Hanging out at Ramdas's old house, right? We right. built this beautiful Hanuman temple. We're serving the community. We're 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 helping uh, a food program in India and a, and a children's uh, school in India. We're helping the local community with with food programs. We're doing all sorts of things, and it's just like love as much as you can from where you are with what you've got. And and we can't trans. I can't transform anybody. I can just kind of show up. With all my neurosis as best I can, but things seem to happen just because we're willing to be used as instruments. So, yeah, that's what Hanuman Maui is for. And, 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 uh, we love all the people that are supporting it and particularly love that, that so many people are getting so much out of what we're doing there.
0: Yeah. And actually, I just saw the email that came out today and it seems like, it's now officially being advertised the the Save Oc program
2: at Hanuman Maui. Right. So so uh, we want this to be accessible to everybody. We're, we are just we are just a home. We're not we're not zoned for like like some big big spiritual center or, every, or anything, but we can have people come visit and access this. So so people that that want to come for a spiritual retreat. And that can maybe donate something for that, donate financially for that. There's something for that. And people that that just want to experience it and come as say and come to help us keep this place running, which there's a lot to do. There's also a program for that. And if anybody's interested, it's just look us up on the website, hanumanmaui.org, or email us info at hanumanmaui.org.
0: Thanks okay. for the plug. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you know this, but I'm just I'm just a big believer in, in Hanuman Maui. I right? I mean thinking about like even just the Hanuman Murti, right? And the fact that like Ramdas essentially gave you the the blessing to have that created and was there at the unveiling and that now that Hanuman Murti is there, but also the fact that it's such a powerful Murti. That it literally created a temple around it, right? Yeah, yeah humans humans created the temple, but it it's clear that, that Hanuman was driving that show. Like Hanuman needed a home to to live in. And so there is a real transformative power there. It's it's palpable.
2: Yeah, that, that Morty. It's like like people can look up the story of that, right? But, but it it just, again, it embodies that bhakti and aloha. That Hanuman, the Hawaiian Hanumanji is so alive and so vibrant and so present and blessing and, and giving. It's just
1: it's such a beautiful thing. Hmm. Okay. Well. Beyond these
0: two projects you have, Hanuman Maui and the Liberation Institute, is there anything else that you are involved in that you would like to mention
2: to people listening? Yeah, I don't want to talk that much about that stuff. I'm, I'm writing a lot. and trying to write a lot more. Okay. We have a book coming out in about six months. Of, okay. Uh, just... Uh,
1: little communications with, with, with God. Beautiful. So, and that's my final question.
0: Uh, if someone listening to this in particular feels really inspired by you and your work and maybe wants to know about this book when it comes out, is there a website? Is there some way that people can contact you?
2: Oh yeah, there, there's, there's Okay. or through Liberation Institute. Okay, I, I'm around. I'm not again, I'm just like this this I'm just kind of showing up. i don't I, I don't have that, that much to do with any of it, but i'm I hope some people get out of something out of the work we, do.
1: yeah, well, I know that uh my
0: life has benefited from your presence in my life, and I know that that must be true for. However many other you know thousands of people that that you've touched throughout your life, so I'm just really grateful of you taking the time to be here today there there's no one else that I could think of that to talk to love about and so yeah, really, just thank you
2: oh you're very kind and thank you for all the work you're doing and and inviting me to this and there's a lot we didn't touch on, so let's do it again, okay, let's do it. Oh, um, uh-huh.